You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 40. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open, and she walks in, she's soaking, caught in the rain, her skin shines like crystalline. This is the Give Me Five podcast, where each week we discuss pop culture in a galaxy far, far away. It could be movies, TV, books, video games, whatever. Although, due to the huge movie releases recently, we have been on a bit of a movie kick. I'm Rob, and together with my co-host Jimmy. Hello. And Greg. Hi. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever. I, I, I couldn't either. And you failed. You know, I was, <laughs> see, I was gonna, I was gonna possibly do kind of a, a, an I love you thing. You know, like oh, with, with Han Solo. You. No, but you see, I was hoping that you would oh. know immediately to say, I know. But if you didn't, it would have been awkward. So I had that long pause. I know. I'll just over, I'll just over explain it. Good. I great. Know. And then and keep going. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. And together we are the intergalactic scoundrels known as the Give Me Five podcast. I hate you. Yes, you do. I know. Oh, come on. Oh, man, you messed that up. I see. I did it on purpose that time. Fuck. Ooh, screw you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Okay. This week we're going to discuss. We've got movies. Ric Flair on the show. Apparently, we're going to discuss the movie <laughs> Solo and the movie Cargo, which is is it a Netflix original? It is. Yes. Although yeah, based on a short, I feel like it's. I, I feel like Netflix does this sometimes. They'll acquire the rights to a movie, like. After it's announced, and then they call it a Netflix original, like like the movie's announced, and then Netflix kind of swoops in and steals it from the production company. Is that what you're saying? I, I think well, the, the movie gets funding, and they produce, and they make the movie, and then they go to like an award show or a, a film festival, and then Netflix buys the rights to it after it's made, mm. and then and then slaps their name on it, which is uh, totally fine. So totally they fine. don't actually produce the movie; they just purchase it once they've seen the finished product. I think a lot of times, yeah. yeah. Yes. So they're not exactly Netflix originals. Anyway. Seems, seems like a smart way to do business, though. Spoiler yeah, alert. We just ruined Netflix for everyone. Everybody. <laughs> so this is a review show, guys, and there will be spoilers. We'll, we will do our best here with Solo and Cargo to avoid, you know, the most major of twists. But you have been warned. And because of that warning. If we do spoil you for something, we expect no emails from you complaining about said spoilers. However, about every other thing that we talk about, we would love to see some emails from you. And you can do that by emailing us at giveme5podcast at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, giveme5podcast, or sorry, giveme5pod on those two. Uh, we actually have a ton of really cool pictures on Twitter and Instagram from Megacon. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a bunch of cool cosplay pictures. We have uh, Darkwing Rob. Mm-hmm. Or as I affectionately call him when he's not around, Darkwing Dork. Mm-hmm. And... Even, no, you do that when I'm around. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, true, true. But I'd like you to know that I'm also doing it behind your back. Well, that, as long as you're doing it to my face, too, it don't matter. <laughs> oh. My. I'm not. God. I was going to say, I'm nobody's going to take that? All right. No. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, no. No. 
This is a family show talking oh, about no, we're not. the zombie picture. <laughs> we, we passed up that family moniker a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and so, you know, if you guys want to help the show completely 100% for free, there's a couple things you can do. And the biggest thing is leaving us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. And we see those things. It's awesome. And it just helps people find the show and it helps us grow. Uh, also, we have a link on the, on basically every episode that we release that is to our Amazon store, which if you happen to be buying whatever it is you're buying on Amazon, a little bit of the money comes to us. And you know, it doesn't cost you any more money. It just keeps it away from the, the evil Amazon empire. And instead goes to the evil Give <laughs> Me Five podcast empire. They take it away from themselves by giving – they're like the Robin Hood of search yes. engines. They, they rob from themselves and give to us. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Or you could wear our awesome shirts after showering behind our awesome shower curtains and stepping out of the shower <laughs> onto our awesome bath mats yeah. at the – at giveme5podcast.threadless.com where you can buy all of those things and then you can put a Give Me 5 Podcast cell phone cover on your phone, which you can then call people and tell all about how great the podcast is. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever thought about how cool this is, but with Threadless, um, it's, it's not super expensive. And those things are actually made when you order them. So it's kind of like they're made for you. Like so that's kind of neat. So, no, so you can like change the color of stuff. In fact, yeah, I just ordered to say thank you for our lovely logo to Ms. Katie Bernier. Ooh. I ordered a t-shirt for her and she chose teal. It was a lovely teal t-shirt. Ah. So that is on the way to her. And thank you again for the awesome logo. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. So anything new, guys? Um, yeah, I got a little something. Greg talked about it here. Um, you know, you guys emailing and, and chiming in on the show. Um, our our friend and uh you know contributor i guess you could say my friend Kerwin, uh wrote in with a couple of his breaking the fourth wall moments oh Ooh. and uh, there's there's one that we forgot completely oh, oh really yeah uh now one of them was uh in men in tights where the female character is singing in the dub and the camera broke through the window mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. That was a great scene. And you guys remember Top Secret with Val Kilmer? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there, he's describing, you know, the, the plot or, you know, their plan and, uh, to, to uh, a character. And she, she says, you know, that sounds like a bad movie. And they both turn and look at the camera. Oh, we oh, forgot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you for that, Kerwin. We really was, appreciate Wasn't there feedback. a movie where, during a scene that you see the camera crew doing something like a like, comedy movie. Oh, there, there was, there was another one in Spaceballs where he, where uh dark helmet cut the cameraman and he falls over and you see the guy <laughs> operating the camera in the background and dark helmet is like, uh, he did it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's the one I was thinking of. There's just, yeah. So many great ones. And man, I love top secret. So thanks again, dude. Really appreciate you writing in. Um, big news for me, huge news. Uh, we have got a new Al Simmons. I'm very excited about this one. Jamie Foxx is going to be Spawn. Oh, he's going to actually be Spawn. Yes, yeah. it's officially announced. Although oh. he's been, he told he in an interview some time ago, he said, "Man, I'd really like to play Spawn and Mike Tyson." So we've got Jamie Foxx as Spawn. 
It's interesting because he and Michael J. White, who played Simmons in the first Spawn. Mm-hmm. Are, and played Mike Tyson. Yeah. They're both 50 years old. Hmm. So I thought Michael J. White was great as Spawn. Um, I don't think he brings the kind of attention that Jamie Foxx does to the role. Nah. So I'm very excited that uh, – Jamie Foxx is a big name. I'm very excited that he's going to be in this, bring that star power to it, bring that talent to the movie, and I I, I can't wait. Yeah, we don't talk about Spawn enough. Yeah. But like when I, when I talked about early, like our first episode, when I talked about some of my inspirations, the Spawn comic, when that came out, that was like – Every month, it was a just a huge deal. And I remember I would pour over that thing. I could I haven't seen them in several years, and I could still probably remember most of the pages and early storylines. And I remember when the movie came out, and it was crazy that an independent comic, theoretically, was going to have a movie. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about earlier this week, Jimmy, I, th- I think that movie is way ahead of its time in yep. the fact that only comic people knew what it was, and there wasn't enough of us to fill up a movie theater. But now it's a different world. Yeah, uh, I still listen to songs from that soundtrack. Um, it, it was ahead of its time, you know. Uh, John Leguizamo's clown was awesome. Oh, absolutely fantastic. I, I love that movie and all its campiness, you know. It's campy now, it wasn't at the time, but Image, Todd McFarlane really changed the game, changed the toy, you know, the figure game. We talked about that on our interview with Kirk Pazigian. And I'm, I'm glad to see it get its, you know, due credit again for a second time. Uh, and hopefully this time, you know, it does better. Yeah. And the other thing I mentioned this, um, on Twitter, uh, if you are not following Todd McFarlane on Facebook, you are missing out, especially if you are an art fan, because almost every day he sits down at his drawing board and just shows people how to draw. It's one of the best artists in the world. And he gives free classes 30 minutes a day and it'll be like, you wow, know, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know you that. Yeah, like, and it's, it's crazy. And there'll be, it could be a simple thing. Like, one day he spent 30 minutes explaining how to draw arms and, like, which line goes, like, when you're drawing, like, the forearm, wh- how you draw it so that it looks like they're, like, swinging a punch or, like, so it looks 3D. Uh, you know, and he'll draw, if, um, I'm trying to think of some of the recent ones, you know, like, if a new movie is coming out, he'll draw a character from that movie. And it could be anything. It can be something like it could be a Muppet character. It could be Venom. It could be Deadpool. And it's really cool. And if you're, and you could find them all on his um, Facebook feed. So really cool. So I would highly suggest following him. Heck yeah. Sweet. And I got something, and I think we're going to review this a little bit later. But the other big, big, big news is that Andrew Le- Andrew Lincoln from Walking Dead or Rick from Rocking- Walking Dead, the main character. Is- <laughs> you almost said The Rocking Dead. Yeah, The Rocking Dead. It's Rock on! <laughs> um, he is leaving The Walking Dead sometime during season nine. Uh, the way the arc was written, it said that he was, that he's going to be in a handful of episodes. And I believe that Maggie is also going to be leaving really? The Walking yes. Dead sometime during Lord season nine. Lauren Cohen is leaving as well. Because she has another TV show on a major network and they hesitated on her contract and she signed for it. And then she signed her other contract for Walking Dead. So. She's and her show on the major network got picked up and I forget the name of it, but you'll see. I mean, she's the lead in it. So it's going to be interesting. I, I kind of think it's the shot in the arm the show might need because I don't know. I, 
we'll see what happens. It, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna escalate Norman Reedus to to the lead, right? Speculated that dude well, is gonna get paid. We 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 actually we actually talked about this um, a couple episodes ago when I w- when I mentioned that um, Abby was leaving NCIS. You remember, mm-hmm. and I and I asked you guys what you thought uh, in a snap decision with um, you know when when the character that you know a lot of people are interested in and follow you know does the show is it worth going back and watching the show like when they replace people and whatnot? I mean, I I, I think the the Walking Dead show is a is is a little bit of an exception because it's one of those shows where you expect characters to come and go. Yeah. Um, but and you've seen it a lot. Right. But with Rick, who has really kind of been the central focus for all nine seasons, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it, it could be the shot in the arm. I think it might be the beginning of the end, though. It really depends on what they do, because, yeah. I mean, Rick has made some very terrible decisions. Yes, as we has. mentioned this past season, like I mean, he was murdering innocents and it's I think it's past the point of his redemption. Mm-hmm. So and it's. It was done in a manner that you're not really necessarily cheering for him anymore. Like in Breaking Bad, they had like, the character break bad, but there was still a part of you that didn't necessarily want him to go down for it. Like there was a part of you that even though like Hank, his brother. Yeah, there was a small part that was like, come on, you can do it, man. You can still do right. Yeah, like you found yeah, yourself you in some ways rooting against the police, even though it wasn't overdone where the police weren't evil, corrupt, or anything like that, like you see in some other movies, they were doing the right thing, and you were still like, oh, I don't believe they're going to catch him. Like, you didn't want him to kill them, but you didn't want him them to catch him. But I'm intrigued as to what they're going to do. I think it came very quickly for them, and I think they're going to have to adjust mid-filming, because I don't think they were expecting it. What's new with you, Rob? Um, well, we... <laughs> we Did you go somewhere this weekend? We, we, we discussed it in our special episode. Um... I I was actually at MegaCon and it consumed pretty much all of my time. I didn't have time to go see Solo. I actually got to see that this afternoon. Um, but I was at MegaCon for all four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. A um, lot of really neat stuff. Um, I have a new Saber Envy, so I don't I don't know that that might have to happen at some point. But it's it's kind of expensive, so we'll have to see what happens. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great time. And for anybody who's thinking about checking out MegaCon, if you're into any of the stuff that they do there, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, if nothing else, it's great people watching. You can go, you can spend the day there, check out some costumes, um, see some people. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, so we did record that that special episode. Uh, we did it last night, and. Uh, it will be probably on the feed ahead of this one. It's more of a conversational type episode, so there's it's going to be one of those unedited things, except for one part where <laughs> Rob, I think, got a little punchy towards the end, and Jimmy got a new nickname that we're going to have to uh, bleep out. <laughs> I wasn't there, so that's true. That's true. We we're I'm, doing I, the, I, the goodbyes. And I want to know this nickname. You do not want to know that nickname. I don't even. No, I do. I don't even remember that nickname. I believe you referred to him as the ice dildo for some reason. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah. I remember saying ice dildo, but I didn't think I was I calling him that or <laughs> I believe you said something like Jimmy is like an ice dildo and I don't know what that meant or even why we were saying it. I have no Did idea. Did you say nice or ice? I think you said ice. I think I said ice. I, I'm no I, I not think. I know I said ice, but 
I said I something like like it was just us because because Jimmy didn't go to MegaCon, and Rob said yeah because Jimmy is an ice dildo, and I was like what. No, oh there, man, there was there was something else there that led me to that. It, that didn't just come out of nowhere. There was something there that led me yeah. to it, and I don't, yeah. I don't remember what it's it was. Fine. Now I'd have to. I can't to wait it. to hear it. I, I was offended for you, but all right, I'm 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 not mad. <laughs> okay, so uh, and in fact, if if this feed cuts out, I'm going to change my name to Ice Dildo. All right, uh, guys, I think it's time for snap decisions. Yeah, that's stupid. Don't do that. Hit it! Okay, guys. So in this section, we bring up little bits of news and stuff like that. Whatever that news leads us to conversationally, uh, we basically ask a question, and the other guys get a chance to answer it. You get one minute to state your case, and that's really about it. It could be about anything. It could be about sports. It could be about movies. You know, streaming. We try to keep it fun, so not too many current events. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could be about food, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like food. You like food? So, who wants to go first? Well, I would volunteer. Go for it. And since we can do it real quick, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask it. Um, Andrew Lincoln announced that he's, well, it's been announced that Andrew Lincoln is, is leaving The Walking Dead. Uh, it's been announced that Lauren Cohen, you know, Maggie and Rick are leaving and they are apparently offering Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl, uh, a very large amount of money to take the lead in that. Now, not only do we have that, Greg, you mentioned this, uh, you feel like it could be a shot in the arm for the series. I think differently. I think it's time to stop beating this dead horse. I don't think it's good. Bump. Sorry. <laughs> um, so really, you know, with Angela Kang as a new showrunner, Greg, you we know your opinion, but if you could state it again for us in a minute, how do you believe that will be a shot in the arm for the series? And Greg or Greg, Rob, what are your thoughts on that? So just to surmise that real quick, where do you see the show going? OK, well, I'll go first if it continues. Go ahead. So for me, I think it could be interesting with Daryl taking the lead. Because he does mm-hmm. bring a little different of a worldview. I've always thought that the the show needs some sort of it needs to turn the corner of being the hunted and becoming the hunters, where they're not you know hiding from the zombies, where they actually are are actively trying to make the world a better place and maybe stop running into people that have gone completely crazy and off the reservation within a year of this thing happening, or maybe two years or whatever it's been. Um, so I think that. They need to do that route, and the one thing, as I've I've said, they need to change the seasons because they're always in the summer. It needs to be oh, winter. Man. It needs to be fall. It's always in the summer, based on their, and it's it. You see the same thing over and over again, and I need different seasons. So I think well, if they change the as he becomes a new lead, I think it might kind of have a new interesting outlook. Yeah, play yourself off there, there, buddy. <laughs> But I see your point now. What do you think, Rob? I I think we're all experiencing Walking Dead fati- uh, fatigue. I agreed. I think this is this is actually a death knell for the show. Um, I I could be wrong, and if if Greg is right, and they take this as an opportunity to 
to basically reinvent the show? Because that's essentially what you're talking about is you have to Mm -hmm. reinvent the show as to how you portray it and how you show things. You have to show new things. You have to do new things. Um, if, if you get more of that, you might actually be able to save the show. But now that it's run nine seasons, I think they're pretty much wrapping it up. I, I, I think with Andrew Lincoln leaving and with Maggie leaving, I think they're going to wrap it up with the, you know, everybody kind of coming together in this one community and helping each other. And because it, they've, they've already established the, the dangers in going out and hunting the, the zombies simply because they travel in these huge herds. But one of the coolest scenes I ever remember was them taking out a gigantic herd of zombies. So, oh, with the chain and yes, stuff. That was such yeah. Awesome I actually, scene. I actually saw that. That was one of the last episodes I watched. I was even playing you off. That was actually the sound a zombie makes when being decapitated by a chain. <laughs> nice. Um. Well, yeah. Thanks for clarifying, guys. I I don't know, Greg. You brought up some good points. I didn't really think of it. Could be the shot in the arm. It could be the chance they have a new showrunner. You know, we'll see what I really like Norman Reedus. But the interesting thing here is that Norman Reedus, Daryl Dixon is not even in the comic books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's almost not even The Walking Dead at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be no one left from the first season, right? Other than him? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Um, what's, uh, no, she wasn't the first season. Never mind. I was going to say Tara, but no, Tara didn't come in. No, until, Tara didn't come for many years. She didn't come in until yeah. uh, the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you might be right. Um, no, there's no one. Rick will be the last one from the first season because Chandler Riggs was – it was Chandler Riggs and Rick. And I think Daryl – uh, Yeah, Carl and – He's not Rick. there anymore. Which, yeah. Well, no, Carl I, I, I think Carl – Chandler Riggs. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, no, I was, was just saying that Carl and Rick were the last two, I think. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, Carol. So, Carol. Uh, um, yeah. Fan favorite Carol. I love Carol. Carol's awesome. It's true. And And – is is Morgan going to be coming back at all, or is he just gone, gone for good? I think he's on the other show now, on Fear the Walking Dead. Okay, so re- ready for mine? Go for it. Okay. Yeah, I'm hungry. So here we go. So uh, I always fall for the new flavors of things. Like when they do the chips, like they release the three different chip flavors, and they make you pick which is the best one, and then the... Right now they're doing Oreos, and there's three different Oreo flavors. Uh, there's Cherry mm-hmm. Cola Chocolate Oreos, the Pina Colada Oreo Thins that have, like, the vanilla cookie. Isn't there a... a and a Kettle Corn. corn. Pop- yeah, a Kettle, kettle corn. corn one. It's the, the yellow cookie Oreos, mm-hmm. and the cream, actually, of the... That one has little, like, bits of millet, which is, like, uh, the type of corn they make, like, uh, uh, sugar pops out of. It's actually pretty good. But it got me thinking of foods that I used to love, like products I used to love that went away. Ooh. So if you could have just one food product back that has been retired, what would it be? Oh, man. One? Rob, do you want to go I, first? I'm, or? I'm trying to think of something. One food product back that has been retired. That's been retired or been you know canceled or whatever. Well, And that hasn't come back. Correct. How about that? Yes. Okay. Um, even for a short amount of time, because I would say Crystal Pepsi. Well, I, no, I, th- I think if that's it's a- not here now, it it counts. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, dang, because my I might have to go a little weird here. Let me let me actually look this up real quick. My, mine would have totally been Twinkies, but they were revived. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I happen to know mine, so I can just go while you guys are thinking. I was gonna say for the life of me, I can't even think of of I can't think of stuff that's been I, discontinued. 
I got you. Mine, mine um, is I the um, Apple Senate or fake okay. Newtons. Those have been gone for years, and I miss oh. them so much. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, this this is going to be a weird one. Okay. I, I have one. Um, it is the Orbitz drink. It's O-R-B-I-T-Z. The, had the little things in it? Yes, it is. Like, it had these little like the spherical... They weren't... It wasn't gum. It was like little... They were... Ball, um, like gelatin balls. Yeah, almost like little like tapiocas. Yeah. But smaller. And this is going to sound super weird, and I'm going to reveal something to you guys about myself. I like to chew on my drinks. No, I understand. That's why Jim, I get chia. Jimmy's exposing himself. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, yeah, no, well, you understand. And Orbitz was one of those things. It was like having a drink and candy in one. So okay. that's mine. And I'm surprised Rob, uh, Rob is not very brand faithful, apparently. There's stuff no. like, like Purple Saurus Rex. Ecto Slimer. Ecto Cooler is gone. Ecto Cooler, yeah. Um, what are some of the other ones? There's the um, Dunkaroos are gone. <gasps> Dunkaroos. What about uh, the Golden Grand cereal? That's still around, I think. French toast. French toast cereal. I'm not sure if that's still around. Uh, they had like the old ladies on the commercial and they would bake them. Put them in the... Oh, oh you got anything wrong? Yes. Well, according to this, it has been discontinued. Um, the Planters Cheese Balls. Yeah. I used to love those as a kid. Yeah. What? Yeah, Planters Cheese Balls. Those have been gone for a long time. I still, I go to Ollie's Bargain Outlet and get the giant thing of like generic ones. So, so you're going to go Planters Cheese Balls? Yeah, I'll go Planters Cheese Balls because I remember those. We had those, the, the little round tin that you would pop open. I don't think they stayed good very long once you opened them, but. The shark Bites. Those are gone. Yeah, I was never a huge fan. Shark bites. Oh, shark bites were the little, little shark gummies. Like, yeah, and the yep. white one. I love the white one. Yep, the mystery one. Awesome. Okay, guys, so here's the deal. I think this is very ripe for you guys to write in. I want to hear what foods you guys miss, and we'll maybe pose this question on our Facebook page, Twitter, whatever. Um, and then we're going to start a massive campaign to get all these things back. Because Rob wants there you his go. Team, Rob wants his cheesy balls. I do. I do. Want I want my orbits, balls. dude. Oh, lifesavers holes. I forgot about those. And I mean, they were just what about the McDLT? That involved vegetables, so I don't care about that. Oh, well. I used to get it plain, and then it was, you know, just a hamburger. So we didn't get to it last time, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't because I think it's a great film. And I'm talking about Cargo, the Netflix original that I assigned Greg and Rob last week to watch. And it's a zombie film based off of a short film of the same name that I thought was very powerful. I don't know if both of you guys have seen the short, but I have not seen the short. I knew really? of the short. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen the short either. It, I remember it, when the short came across like IO nine or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was somewhere where I couldn't watch it without using data. Mm, and then I forgot okay. the name of it. I remember I was I like tried to find it later on. I forgot the name of it, so I have to watch. I actually want to watch it. I just haven't had a chance. Well, the short said so many things without actually saying them, and it was absolutely beautiful, in my opinion. Now, Cargo, the movie, the feature length features well, it stars Martin Freeman, and it's set in post zombie outbreak Australia. Now, the post part of that I think is very important. Yeah, well, let me. Give my little semi intro here. Good. So I want everyone to be very clear that you assigned us to watch this because 
I was watching it last night, and at a certain point in the film, there is a baby crying, um, car accident, and mm-hmm. a, a certain wife of mine jumped up was like, what? Huh? What? and really thought there was a baby crying <laughs> somewhere in the house. Okay. And gave me such a look when I just informed her, no, it's just a zombie movie. Go back to bed. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> no, wait. Oh, let me stop sorry. you right there. You said, no, it's just a zombie movie that Jimmy told me to watch. Yes. And then uh, – No, I didn't. Jimmy I, now just, now, I, just now I told – I said that. But I just – at night I said – Did she hear you say that? That I, I told yeah, you to? Yeah, because the, the conversation continued today. Not in a bad way. Just she was like, all right, great. I'm dead. Yeah, you're not allowed <laughs> at your house anymore, Jim. The conversation continued today. Not it was in one of those ways, like you know, at least I didn't watch a zombie movie that woke up my wife last night, so that kind of thing. So, but (laughs) yeah, that's okay. I I could have chosen to watch it somewhere else. So it's I'll I'll take some blame. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, I thought it was was very good, and I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing your opinion. So, well, Rob, do you have anything? I guess before I profess my love for this movie. <laughs> um, I will say that I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I think your, I think your description here on the, on the notes is, is fairly accurate. Uh, best original take on the zombie genre since 28 days later. Um, I would still say that 28 days later is, is, is in my opinion, a, a better zombie movie. There was just more to it, I guess. And I agree with you. And there was there. Twenty eight days later, to me, was a was probably one of the most conceivable zombie like outbreaks, and that's one of the things that made the movie so good was that it was so believable. Um, yep. And this one, uh, I mean, we didn't even we. I mean, we didn't really see the first zombie or or you know know what was actually going on. Um, probably for what the first thirty minutes 30 or so. Minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirty minutes or so. Yeah, um, because initially well, the when first I, one we saw, the one with the stick in we, its mouth. No, it we. Well, that was the. No, 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 no. The first one we saw was the one that came to the truck while he was filling it up with gas. Oh, okay. Um, but we, because when I when we first saw the movie, I wasn't sure what was going because I didn't know anything about the movie when I went into it, and I wasn't sure what was going on. I knew it was some kind of outbreak movie. Um, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a I, – I initially thought it was like a medical outbreak type film and not actually a zombie movie. I didn't realize it was a zombie movie until the scene in the sailboat. Oh. When, when he was yeah. when he was in the sailboat and heard something in the other room. I'm like, okay, this is a zombie movie. Yeah. Because, because otherwise it was, uh, oh, you know, be, because they had the whole thing like with the family on the shore, you know, everybody's, you know, you don't know whether or not anybody's infected. So you have to keep them at a distance, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, obviously when you're, when you're going past on a boat and you're waving at somebody and they're like, no, get away from us, you know, then it's like, okay, well you, you know, they're not zombies, but you know, I guess. It looked like a nice little family birthday party that took a little bit of a dark and sad turn as he pointed to the gun in his waistband. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we didn't really, I didn't really know it was a zombie movie until the scene in the boat. And then of course you knew exactly what was going to happen when he went back to his houseboat. I'm like, Oh, all right. You didn't tell her what was there. So of course she's going to go over there. (laughs) Well, yeah, he came back with like a bottle of wine. Uh, So anyway, yeah, that's, that's within, you know, the first 15 minutes of the movie or so. 
Um, okay. You've got Martin Freeman, you know, excellent. playing the excellent. By the oh, way, he's he's great. I, I think he's great in everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, him and his wife and their child are are floating down the river on this houseboat, and what it seems I like think there, there something has recently happened. Clearly, yeah, they, they they're oh, yeah, on edge. Um, connections I didn't make until much later in the film. They're picking up these orange boxes, mm-hmm. and they're these kits of some sort. And they show one of the tools inside of the kits. They reveal these the contents of the kit as the movie goes along, and it just makes so much sense every time they do. Mm-hmm. the The first item that you see is this like pneumatic kind of nail gun thing. That's a it's a instant kill device. You know. Mm. You, you put it up to your head and boop. So very uh, no country for old men. Yeah. Without the gas line. I don't know if pneumatic is the, is the right word, but mm-hmm. I, I thought it was pretty brilliant. You don't see that a lot in, in zombie movies where I, it's like, Oh, go on an Island or yeah, Doug, go in the water. And, and I, I gotta, I gotta admit, I totally misinterpreted the, the brain spike <laughs> because I What'd thought, I thought it was their method of treatment that like if you if you caught mm. it early enough you could inject the, you know they were using it to inject the medicine into the brain so that it wouldn't be affected and you know it was later in the movie that I was like oh okay these he's, he's the nurse well but I'm <laughs> but but well, I'm we've... I'm also I'm also a movie a movie freak so you know I'm I'm used to the whole suspension of disbelief you know a lot of times and that that speaks to the quality of the movie by the way in that, yeah. in that, I know that it's totally implausible, but I was like, "Oh, you know, maybe they're treating the they're treating the disease with that." Yeah, and I, I maybe I, I thought that at first um, as well. Oh, they can inject themselves and give themselves buy themselves time mm-hmm. uh, as they're you know they're flo- floating to- towards a military base. As well, I mean, I think that's a place we would kind of go if that would happen. You'd think it would be safe there. You think it would be secured, but as we've found out before in other films, and it's, it's not. But hey, there's hope, right? Yeah. So, um, like Rob said, they they come across this sailboat that's like chock full of goodies, and it extends their you know rations. And hey, we can survive for another month or two with all this stuff I got. And yeah, don't worry about what happened on it. And of course, Martin Freeman goes takes a nap and. His wife goes and checks it out, and then, oh boy, now we need Plan B. Yeah, and and you know when when he describes that it, he's he's like, oh no, easy in and out, you know, blah blah blah, nothing to worry about. It was fine, it was fine, playing it off instead of saying, you know, don't go over there. I, I or think, I think there might be something or, there, or not that it's okay to lie. Be like, oh no, I I cleaned it out. You're fine. Don't don't go over there. Well, I think the. Or burn the scene it. where he wakes up and he's looking for her and he's like kind of frantically rowing around his boat really brought the emotion to that relationship mm-hmm. without yeah. having to do an overblown scene of, you know, them sitting there and talking about, you know, all the things they've been through together or anything like that. It's just his sheer look of panic when he couldn't find her. And then when he finally opened up the door, it was like, oh, God. And this this brings, you know, um, out another one of the items in the kit. And they're these like little fitness band things and they're a countdown timer. You have 48 hours. Yep. You're infected. You have 48 hours before you turn and he comes in and he sees she's bleeding and it's, it's, it's a mess. She's got a timer on her wrist. 
he knows immediately what that means. Yeah. And 10 sewer wounds and that the plan is, Hey, we're going to go get help. We're going to go to the hospital. Um, but it, that just goes to, to say how long this has been happening, how long this has been around that the government set out kits, you know, with like a emergency kill yourself device and like, <laughs> Hey, you got this much time, you know? So I thought that was one of the, the things that made it so unique was that this isn't the birth of the zombie apocalypse. This has already been – this has been happening for a while and people are just trying to survive. Well, I, we keep on mentioning this unique take on the zombie thing and we're talking about it right after we talked about Walking Dead being stale. And I think it's – and we also talked about 28 Days Later. I think it's really interesting that like there's really not a lot to do in the zombie genre. Like it started off and it was more about like – Government. What was about – like it started off as uh, paranoia, like red scare paranoia. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you going to turn? Are you going to turn? Are you a zombie? Kind of. Yeah. And then it talked about massive consumerism. So it was they're trapped in a mall and people just being like zombies walking around the mall, which you could, of course, just do the same thing now with cell phones. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, OK, well, now the zombies are going to be really fast and or it's going to be linked to a disease or, you know, what's. Or as The Walking Dead started, it's what happens after the the credits roll on your zombie movie? What's mm-hmm. the life like after it? And it's, you know, it's hard to do something new with the zombie yeah. genre. Like, it really is. And it, and I will say an honorable mention will go to a TV show because I think iZombie is a fairly, fairly interesting original take on the zombie genre as well. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I know, Greg, that you like it. Um, I haven't watched this season much because it's, it got a little formulaic where you, you could kind of figure out what was going to happen. But, um, also because the entire season got deleted when my, when my, uh, DVR died. No! But I'll, I will eventually oh, catch it. Yeah. And this, I say it's unique because it's already, you know, it's taking place well into the, the outbreak or the zombie apocalypse and movies have done that before, but, you see through the distribution of these kits and everything and through newspaper clippings that it's gone on for a while. Yeah. But they've like governments have tried. They've tried things. They've sent out these kits. Um, so it's not just, Oh, boom, zombies. Everything's crushed. It's okay. They've tried to deal with it and no, there's no hope. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my, that's, that's what I mean by original, I guess. Mm-hmm. The zombies, they weren't anything extraordinarily original. They, you know, go after sound. They go after blood. They can smell blood. And, and interestingly they enough, have really you, bad cases of conjunctivitis. Yeah. You, you didn't oh, yeah. really see a ton of zombies actually in the movie. Nope. So it wasn't, it wasn't no. like, like you see on Walking Dead where they have like the really cool makeup and, and the special effects and everything. You, you just really didn't zombies didn't get a whole lot of screen time. And when you saw them, it was like the back of their head or through a dirty window or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, they weren't the greatest threat in the movie, the greatest threat it's been told before, but I think this did really well. The greatest threat in the zombie apocalypse are it's people. Mm-hmm. And we find that in the form of Vic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I wrote down that, that Vic is initially uh and very briefly, a well-meaning survivor, he takes in Andy and his daughter and says, hey, you know, if you help me out, you, you, we can we can help each other out. After Andy saves his life. Mm-hmm. Under questionable circumstances. Mm-hmm. But 
Vic ends up being, a, as a, as I wrote down, a, a controlling and abusive shitbird with a plan of becoming very wealthy when the world is fixed. That's pretty optimistic, <laughs> given the state of things. <laughs> yeah, he's like picking up – he's he's attracting zombies, and we haven't talked about the, the you know, um, the indigenous people of the outback yet, mm-hmm. um, the ab- aboriginals who are um, kind of – collected up by Vic and used as bait to attract the zombies. And then he steals, he kills the zombies. He takes their watches and all their shiny things and he's going to sell them when, when everything's fine and he's going to be wealthy and nobody's going to care. Yeah. The Aboriginal girl to me, to me, I'm going to, I was, I'm bad. I did not realize she was a girl until the very end of the movie. I didn't, I didn't realize she was a girl until they called her a girl. I was like, Oh, it, it towards the very end of the movie, he looked at her and said, "Good, good girl." And I was like, "Oh!" I was like, "Whoops!" I felt bad. I felt like I needed to rewind the movie because I think I missed something. Yeah, Mind I, you, I, was, I, I, I watched it about two in the morning last night. So I, I didn't realize <laughs> she was a girl until she was caught in the cage, mm. and and they yeah. referred to her as a girl. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, it, it turns pretty quickly um, for for Andy and and Vic. That relationship goes south pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Vic's not a good dude. And Andy like realizes that. Mm-hmm. Because even more Andy, stuff, he's the one that accidentally shoots the wrong person, right? If I remember who, correctly. Who, Vic? When Andy's, or Vic is trying to shoot at yeah. Andy and hits the girl. Yeah. It's a girl. Yeah. Like, I, there's a small part of the movie I missed in the middle, I think. Oh! Yeah, But I think okay. that that's the point where, like, it is already starting he, to turn where he's like, I remember the part where he's like why are you with my girl kind of thing? Are you trying to steal my girl? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later on when they're trying to leave with her, uh, he accidentally shoots her cause she jumps in the way. Yeah. And I think that kind well, of he, settled, settled he, it where he, he knocked, he knocked Andy out and put him in the cage with the Aboriginal girl. Yeah. And, with two and was using him as bait for the, uh, for the zombies. And then he, he figured out a way to get out of the cage. He and the girl got out of the cage they went back to steal his keys and stuff, and he woke the girl up, and they took the baby with him, and mm-hmm. okay. and I'm I'm still amazed that the baby didn't wake him up when he was sleeping. That was a very well behaved child. She she only cried when it was appropriate for her to do so for the plot. Otherwise, she was mm-hmm. very well behaved. Yeah, I saw. I was reading some stuff about it. There was like three three or four different babies they used to film the, the thing, which is probably mm-hmm. good because I don't think you want to have a baby on on set for long periods of time in the middle of the up of the outback or wherever they filmed yeah, it. They probably, they had like the season stunt baby. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, and at this point, Andy's infected. Yeah. Yes. Because there was, so, there was an accident. They, he, after his wife got infected, he was trying to get her to the hospital because he's still under the belief that they can do something for her. And, mm-hmm. and under the belief that the hospital is actually still there. Right. Right. And a zombie walks into the road. I'm like, you know what? A zombie walks into the road. You just plow it over. But um, zombie walks into the road. He swerves to avoid it. She gets impaled by a tree, by a tree branch coming through the, the windshield. But why did, had, why did the zombie cross the road, Rob? Because it had to go to the bathroom, obviously. Exactly. Okay. Um, That's a throwback to Megacon when Rob did an interview with some, with a video show. Which I'm yeah. not sure what the name of the video show was, and that was the question, and that was actually Rob's answer. So, and and I think that was the answer that surprised them the most out of all the questions they asked me. Nice. Um, and and so his wife gets impaled, and and then he of course passes out from a head injury, 
And then he comes to and realizes she's dead. And he's like, oh, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And then for some inexplicable reason, he reaches through the back seat to try and get the kid as opposed to getting out of the car and accessing it from the back seat. Questionable movie. Yeah. It's one of those questionable movie choices that, you know, we think about later. And, but it, it, you know, it serves to push the plot along. So it happened. He's infected. He's desperately now trying to get his child to safety. Before um, he turns. That's the, before the he second turns. questionable movie choice because he also places the baby about 10 to 15 feet away from him and then slumps up against the car where the zombie wife is. And yeah, that's true. I was like, dude, there was another zombie around. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like already has head wounds and stuff like that. It's like if nothing else, like you wouldn't be able to get to that child if something was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly on Amian. <laughs> but the wow. the rest of the movie is, is yeah, is, and they were not privy to the, to the first part of that discussion, but um, the, the rest of the movie is essentially about Andy trying to get his daughter somewhere safe where someone can, because his daughter's probably what, like one, two, something like that. Very young. Yeah. She can't talk yet. Right. She can't talk. She can't walk on her own. Um, so he's trying to get her somewhere where somebody can take care of her. And that's that's essentially the rest of the movie. Um, and I, I question the timeline a little bit because I'm sure that there was more than just two nights. Mm, no, I think there were. Was there only two nights? Um, I think so. It, it Now, it seemed like there were more. Okay. It was like a week went by. Yeah. Um, but – you know, we've got Toomey, and, and what do we do with her? Uh, Toomey clearly has her father, who is uh, turned um, in some sort of device so he doesn't bite people. But also out there are the rest of her family. Her sister is out there, and um, we only kind of see them in flashes, and they are – they're out hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Toomey does not want to go back with them because she sees that they're out hunting zombies. And she's got her father there with her. So I believe that Toomey doesn't want to go back to them to get her father killed. Yep. Who's no longer her father. Right. She's like a eating her father, her own blood, like, like, like mm-hmm. cutting her hand and rubbing it on a tree. And then he goes over and keeps them safe. And she uses that right. to bail out Andy. At some right. Well, she's, 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 she's feeding him dead animals and stuff. She uses the, she uses her blood to basically lure him where she wants it. Mm-hmm. Which is another interesting aspect of the of this yeah. particular movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, inevitably we've got Andy's timer ending. And um, if you have seen the short, I thought they I, – I, I was like, man, there's no way in however long this short was that they're going to be able to tell that much of an emotional story. There's no way that they're going to be able to make it that brilliant. But they – I, in my opinion, the filmmakers did. Um, eventually more contents of this kit are revealed, which lead to spoilers here. Um, Andy Martin Freeman's character essentially binding himself and placing a carrot on the end of a stick. So he's, you know, following that instead of trying to eat his child. Right. And Just, there were, so there were a couple of things I didn't understand. And, and I guess I'll ask you, <coughs> ask you about them. What was with the whole digging thing? And sticking your head in a hole. So I was trying to understand that too. There's, um, I I guess it's in a, a, a attempt. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
leaving that in there. Um, that was I not guess what you think it was. That was my stomach. Yeah, no, I knew exactly no, I what it was. It was just really loud. It's your turn this um, There's a scene where Toomey says uh, they need the dark. And I believe that they stick their heads in the ground so that they can kind of recharge. Okay. Um, because I don't know. Uh, exactly, but well, that, they that show was kind it in of that my, one my take on tunnel, mm-hmm. where there were, like other heads mm-hmm. up against the wall. So then, okay, yeah, they, they they show that I didn't put that together, but okay, I I can I can see that I can buy that. Yeah. Okay, and so, but she says they need the dark, and uh, when they're out in the outback without very much tree coverage, they dig holes and stick their heads in the sand. Right. Which is something that Martin Freeman, he tries to do as he's turning and he catches himself and he's like, no, no. And he wipes the conjunctivitis from his eyes. And, uh, that was, that was pretty powerful watching him, um, with what happened. Then my next question was, why did he put the backpack on with his baby in it and then put his head in the dirt and essentially just, what what would have amounted to dumping his baby out over his back? <laughs> I don't think he could control that. I think that was a instinctive reaction. I, I actually turning. had to rewind that part too because I was like, "Wait, did I just see that? Like, is there a reason for that?" Yeah, yeah. I was like, like "Did he put something in there? Is that like, no. like that's?" I thought that too because it did look like the hey, baby was yeah. going to go out and over his shoulder. <laughs> it's a baby launcher. Dropping a baby doll. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he goes to dig a hole and he's like, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta stay lucid. But then they put the pack on and he buries his head in the sand and mm-hmm. basically turns the baby on her head. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, what is, yeah. what is he doing? I don't. So, well, I think we can wind up cargo, correct? I so yeah, so. I think cargo so. is on Netflix and definitely check it out. If you want to, uh, if you want to do something on your lunch break at work, you can actually, find the cargo short, which it's a little hard to find because when you type yeah. in cargo short, cargo it, shorts. it does do that. So um, you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it says um, the title is cargo finalist of Trop Fest Australia 2013. Um, and it, it is the full short. Um, I looked up the, the site and all that. So make sure you type in cargo short film, not cargo shorts. That's something different. Totally different. Yes. What are cargo shorts? It's a thing. It's a thing that people try make fun of if you wear them. They got a lot of pockets. They're very convenient. I wear cargo shorts. They're awesome. Yeah. But I, I will say the movie is absolutely fantastic, if not a little depressing. Yes, it is. Um, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it because uh, I, I certainly did. Uh, check it out. Let us know what you guys think. Well, the time has come to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. Is that the yes. way they determined it? Okay, so Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fresh on a lot of our minds because I saw it today. Rob saw it today, and I think Jimmy saw it yesterday. I saw it yesterday, yep. Oh, I thought you said you weren't going to see it. Man, all right. So I, if you listen to last week's episode, I was absolutely not interested. But got off of work yesterday and said, you know, I'm just going to go see it. It was uh, Tuesday at the you know time of this recording. Six bucks for a movie ticket. So I said, why not? What the heck? Yeah, and I am damn glad that I did. Good. My thought about that movie, just you know, brief thought, is that it wasn't a world-changing movie. It wasn't a huge nope. movie like we've been seeing a lot of, but it was so much fun, and it was exactly what I wanted to see. I, I would agree with that assessment. 
um, it was so much more than I expected. And that wasn't very much. It it was it was a prequel, so you knew that they couldn't do a ton with um, you know new story, but they could definitely tell Han's origin story, which they did, and I thought they did an excellent job of it. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything too crazy that changed too much. There was they hinted at some of the stuff from the the original canon that you know I used mm-hmm. to read all the books. Some of that stuff got wiped away when Disney took it over, which makes sense because Disney needs to be able to take their own stories. But they did touch on some things. I mean, they touched on some video game canon, and which, and and they actually crazy. they actually canonized one of the one of the more popular um, uh, origin stories for for Han, if I'm not mistaken, because one of the ones that people really liked was that you know he he actually was an Imperial soldier at one point um, mm-hmm. and came across. Right, and came across Beckett and whatnot, and a lot of people liked that story. And Disney, with this movie, essentially canonized that that origin story. Well, that he, that he quit because of the treatment of the Wookies, which made him, even though he was a scoundrel, it did make him, you know, the, the good old scoundrel with the heart of gold that we know of. So let's go into the movie. You know, I did not do much notes on this because I knew I was going to be seeing it today, mm-hmm. and I figured that it's going to be so fresh in my mind because usually we record on Wednesday. We always record on Wednesdays, and usually we've seen the movie on Friday or Saturday. So there's quite a few days that go by where we would forget stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we all saw it less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. So actually for me, a little bit longer than that. Yeah. But I mean, the plot is, I don't even know if you need to go too much into the plot. It's a good plot. It's just, it's a heist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually actually, a few heists. Um, The plot goes along. There's nothing, there's nothing crazy. There's not too much in the way of coincidence pushing things along. Mm Mm-mm. Uh, kind of revolves around this hyper fuel, which costs quite a bit of money, or it is worth quite a bit of money, right? And the empire needs it, and you know they're they're going to steal it, and yeah, yeah and that's where it kind of goes from there. They're not the only ones after it, you know. There's this there's this group of marauders, you know, these Mad Max looking baddies who are going after it too. So I love that those character designs, by the way. Oh man, I they were, they were really so. Cool. Think about this movie that I did not expect. It looked and felt like a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It did to me so much more than the prequels did. You know, we're we're talking about those forgettable episodes one through three. Although we did see a character, we did. Uh, that was a surprise, and and a it caused surprise. it caused because I, I talked to Greg about it. It caused me to question the timeline not realizing the canon that actually has been going on with like the cartoons and stuff. So we can get into and that I, a little bit later, we'll but we'll give, you, that. we'll give you spoiler warnings at that point as well. But it just, those, that character design just made it feel so, you know, it said in the, the opening credits, you know, it's a lawless land. And if those characters didn't look lawless, you know, you know what I thought was weird. I liked a lot of the big boxy helmets that people were, were wearing. Like mm-hmm. There's a lot of henchmen and mm-hmm. stuff that have like these big blocky kind of helmets and headpieces and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were really kind of cool. Like, and it's very much like the original Star Wars stuff. And it brought yeah it brought us to places that we've heard about. Like we've heard about Corellia, and it brought us to what Corellia actually is. And it was just this greasy, dirty, disgusting shit building planet. Mm-hmm. And I we totally heard about the Corellian. 
I shivered. That was ship building planet. Thank you very much. I mean, we've heard about the the Carillion Corvette, the Carillion freighters, all these things. Mm -hmm. And here's the place where it's being built. And when they cut to that planet, sure enough, there's a Star Destroyer being built overhead. And they don't make a big deal out of it. It's just there. You see things Mm -hmm. bringing it up to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just a new take on stuff. And it's stuff that you've seen, I've seen in the video games. And it was always just a cool thing, but now you're actually seeing it in a movie. Did you notice the big uh, spheres being raised up at one point? The, mm. the, um, shield generators from the backs of the Star Destroyers? Oh no, I missed that. I did that. During the chase scene, when he's on the speeder, at one point he goes under a couple cranes and they're, they're like hyper lifting the, the big shield generators to the Star Destroyers up above. Nice. Which is it is subtle, but it looked very cool. And I'm I'm oh. gonna uh, ooh. <laughs> uh that's one of my neighbor's cars being stolen, so don't worry about it. My okay, car's in cool. the garage, so it's not me. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah, um it's the I and I, I talked to Greg about it, but the, the thing that, that I took from the movie that I absolutely loved the most was that they addressed one of the big Faux pause, I guess, that people have talked about since the original movie came out. What's that? And that's the the ship that made the Kessel Run in under twelve parsecs. <laughs> and and you know, it's been talked about for years that a parsec is actually a unit of distance and not a unit of time. So they've they've you know people have discussed this for for years. You know, nerds and whatnot, and 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 stuff, but. That, that, you know, a ship making a run in under 12 parsecs, which is actually a unit of distance, doesn't really mean anything. But the movie kind of addressed that because the Kessel Run is this pathway through, like, for, for lack of a better term, like a nebulous system where there's lots of storms and clouds going on. And that mm-hmm. there's a set pathway that is marked with all these lamps and it's the safe pathway through the nebula. Yeah. So through the maelstrom. The Kessel, so the Kessel Run is, is 80 parsecs, I think they said, meaning the distance that you have to go through this twisting and turning through the Kessel Uh, Run is 80 parsecs. Han Solo boasts that he did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, meaning he made it all the way through the nebula without taking the safe path. And I was like, oh, that's so clever. They fixed it. That's fantastic. And I just thought that was so neat. Yeah, I actually like that a lot too. And they, I mean, they, there's a couple other things they did too. The that I think fixed some things like the uh, shooting first situation. Oh yeah, they kind of fixed that as well. Yep. I was like Han shot first when I saw that scene. <laughs> I did. I actually did too. <laughs> well, it was like you did the right thing by doing that. Hmm. Um. Man, I I I got to say, you know the the inclusion of Tandy Newton. Um, Woody Harrelson, you know, Amelia Clark, I thought they were fantastic in it. Um, the uh, Alden Ehrenreich, mm-hmm. is that, is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. Really not familiar with him. I think he was in, I'm, I'm looking at right now. He was in, um, like the fate of the stars or something like that. Is that nothing he... that I really no. I, you're, I think you're talking about, um, across the universe. Or uh, something. Well, beautiful creatures. I think that's where some people know. He, from. he was in Beautiful Creatures. Um, I really didn't recognize him, but he was surrounded by a strong cast. I thought, mm-hmm. and he 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 really did well. You know, on his own, he had the mannerisms of Han Solo down. I thought there were times where you could close your eyes 
and you could hear, you know, a young Han Solo. At first, um, early on, it took a little bit things. of time for me to get used to. But there was mm-hmm. one point, I think it was when he was running through the Millennium Falcon to get to the cockpit that I was like, okay. And it, he became Han Solo. I think for me, then. I think for me, it was one part where he's just standing there and he's kind of got his, his weight shifted, you know, to one hip and he's just standing there with his, his hands just kind of resting on his hips. Mm-hmm. And I just, I see promo shots of Harrison Ford as Han Solo. I'm like, man, he really nailed it. Mm-hmm. So it took me a little while. I think, cause I mean, I, Harrison I Ford's a polar thing. I think Woody Harrelson is great and everything. I, Obviously, yeah, yeah, with our yeah, Game of yeah, Thrones stuff, the one thing that I didn't like about the Woody Harrelson thing was as soon as I saw that he was cast in the movie, I knew he was going to have some sort of villainous turn, which, by the way, we already talked about spoilers, so that's sorry. But I knew he was yeah. going to have a villainous turn because you don't really put Woody Harrelson in one of those type of you know scoundrel type crime movies without him having to do double cross somebody. So I knew it was coming before it was coming just because of the actor. But I really like yeah. that character in general. I knew it was coming, but I didn't want it to. <laughs> the the one that I didn't want was the uh, Amelia Clark, Kira, Kira. Yeah, I was like, no. Oh yeah, she yeah. Showed some, she so showed some emotion about it, though. I thought that was kind of cool. Like you know, you could tell she was torn about it. Mm-hmm. Where she was like, "Look, he's a good person. I'm not a good person." And in a way, I mean, you don't know what she was up to for the three years of her life because she, she ended up, of course, stuck on that on Corellia. Well, Han got away and sort of got away. He ended up in the Empire military, but they, you know, she was there, and you don't know how did she ascend to be a lieutenant in this crime syndicate? You know, mm-hmm. what did she what did she do to get there? She obviously had to do some dirty stuff. Yeah, she didn't do great things, and Han throughout the movie refused to accept that. Even though Vision told him, you know, a bunch of times, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, but she, she, I, I read some of the canon behind that, and and there are some gaps, yeah, but you know, she had to do things and to a lot of people, and she suddenly she had this incredible fighting style, which I don't know where she got that from. Do you do you know uh, the le- the Terras Kazi? Yeah, what's that? Well, that's a video game, a terrible video game. Yeah, it is. That's the that's the. I mean, game. tell us more. Uh, back in what two thousands, there was a fighting game that came out. Uh, I believe it's called the Legends of the Masters of Terraskazi, which was a Star Wars fighting game where you could be Luke, Leia, Han, and you would actually like in a st- Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat kind of way fight each other. And it got terrible reviews. And it turns out that they, you know, kind of referenced it as a type of fighting style. So huh. kind of a interesting little thing. Cool. Did you know that, Rob? I did. I did not know that actually. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I've got. I've I was got doing quite a few. A few today. of those on. That's what I stepped away from the podcast for a moment and had to get my notes because there are quite a few of those. Mm-hmm. I will bring up my Star Wars nerd knowledge as we go. Do it, nerd. For example, do you guys know who Ara Singh is? Well, Rob probably does because I told him earlier. But yeah, you, I did not know when you told me that. Yeah. Do you know who Ara um, Singh is? No. Mm-mm. So in the movie, they uh, Lando is talking to uh, what's his face, uh, Woody Harrelson's character, and no, Beckett. Lando's Beckett. not, and yeah, he says thank you. He says thank you for killing our thing for me, and he said uh, Beckett's basically like, well, I didn't oh. kill her. I just pushed her off a cliff, and the fall killed her. 
Oh yeah. Okay. So Ara Singh okay. is a character that was in Phantom Menace very briefly during the podcast, the podcast, huh? The podcast, the podcast race. Um, when it's going around, you see this character up on a hill with a sniper rifle and she's got pale skin and like a, like a, a mohawk or a, a ponytail thing on top of her head. That's Aura Singh. She's in like maybe a minute and a half, if even of screen time. And she got name checked in this movie. Uh, she did show up in the Clone Wars series, though. So I'm still hung up on, on podcast. <laughs> you had me at podcast race. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? What else do you got? Uh, okay, so the decraniated. Did you see the half head characters that were serving drinks on the the space yacht? Mm-hmm. So those were decraniated characters. There was also one scene in Rogue One, and those characters are basically their heads are cut in half and. The person that cut them in half is Dr. Evazan, who is the per- the one that is wanted in s- certain number of systems in Star Wars. And that's why oh, he's, okay. that's why he's wanted because he was doing human, uh, not research, but human experiments. I'm wanted in twelve systems. Yeah, that guy. Was that Yoda? No. Was that your Yoda? <laughs> no, not my Yoda. Oh, okay. So anyway, you know, once you're in twelve systems, I am. And we'll get to some other ones. I'm not just going to list off things here, but I did think it was really interesting seeing a Star Wars style battle in a World War II style trench kind of system, mud explosions, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It was a new look. It was, it was interesting, and, and I didn't want it to end in some ways. Yeah, I don't mean to hijack your thought there, but I all. You always envision battles, at least I do, in, you know, the Star Wars universe as very squeaky clean, you know, very shiny hallways and, um, you know, maybe even kind of run down kind of dumps to a certain extent. But this saving Private Ryan type World War II battle is where everybody's dirty and you kind of see the the fatigue of the Imperial soldiers, which where you never really put a, a human kind of emotion to. I it. don't think you even see who they're fighting. I was looking. No, you don't No, They're basically shooting off into the distance. Uh, I think you see a shadow at some point and they're like spiky people. Are they? So, yeah, I don't know what planet that was. I, yeah, I don't remember seeing. I they did not do the, the thing. Um, I, I tried to do the research. I think it's supposed to be Mimban, M-I-M-B-A-N which is listed in some of the books, but I don't know much about that planet. Not to be confused with Nimrod. Yes, not definitely not Nimrod. The the insult or the Green Day album. <laughs> so Mimban is in a very... Formerly known as Sercarpros V, was the home planet of Koe, the Mimbanites, and the extinct Threla. So that's apparently what it is. Wow. And early in the war, a unit of the 224th known as the Mud Jumpers. So... That, that's all I got. So they were fighting, okay. they were fighting Mimbanites or some sort of alien race. But anyway, uh, definitely. And that's, that's when, that's when Han was part of the Imperial Army. Yes. Or, yeah, at Imperial? Yes. Yes. So anyway, um, you know, he eventually leaves the army with a bunch of scoundrels that have kind of infiltrated the army in order to pull off a heist. And that's when like the, the movie becomes your actual heist movie. What confused me a little bit was how Beckett was able to just be like, hey, I'm a general, you know, he he just assimilated so quickly. Well, I think that that he was. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably we could probably nitpick on that one as well very easily. 
because it's true. I mean, it's kind of hard to jump into a, a, a command thing. But one, he's, they did say that he stole a uniform. But I think the part of it is that he, at this point, the Empire is just growing. It's about 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And 10 to 15, I think. And they the Empire is growing at a very rapid pace. So people are just being pushed through the Imperial Academy at this point. I mean, three years right right into the field on multiple different planets. So it's entirely possible that you just wouldn't know the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. They, they very quickly pushed Han to the, you know, flight Academy with just like with him asking Which without was... any test and all that. And, you know, and, and very quickly pushed him out of it, by the way. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you're off to, you know, good luck pilot. Yeah. And then he's getting hit with dirt and he's, he's, you know, he's on the ground. It's like, wait, what happened here? Oh, okay, yeah. they explained it. So I think this movie showed the excesses of the kind of rich, richer class a lot better than Last Jedi. Because Last Jedi did that whole segue into, like, the casinos and all that stuff. And even though the, right. they didn't – it wasn't really the rich class. It was more of a, a scoundrel leader. But they showed this beautiful yacht with, you know, the serv- the servers and – all the nice food and all this other stuff. And I just, it, it wasn't pushed so forefront. It didn't take you out of the movie for 30 minutes of this like side heist. Yep. And, and that's what the last Jedi did. And that was the last Jedi's pod race mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Which really, I was like, Oh man, really are mm-hmm. we doing this in the last Jedi? Not yeah. solo in this. I just, there was just something about that whole sequence and introducing those characters. And it just, I liked it. I wanted to, you know, it's, if anything, some of the scenes and some of the situations were shorter than I wanted them to be, you know, the heist on the train, mm-hmm. which you see in the trailer. I thought that was a really cool design. I thought the fighting back with the stormtroopers, fighting the probe droids, just, it looked good. I thought that was about as long as it needed to be possible. I, I liked the I liked yeah, the way the train moved. I, it was Super fun. Oh, when yeah. it turned and when it went up on its side, that was like, man, I want that to be a roller coaster. I want to, I want that to be a scenario in yeah, Star Tours. True. There you go. That'd that's be awesome. Exactly mm-hmm. what I thought. The, uh, uh, let's see. I'm seeing what, uh, on my notes, if there's anything that that harkened back to. Um, it was cool seeing the Viper droids and it was very sad losing some of our characters at that point. Yeah. And, I, I thought the character that we lost in the, in spoiler, you know, spoiler, um, one of the characters that we lost in that scene, uh, a female, uh, I was surprised, was gone to- I was surprised she died because it made such a big deal about her being in the movie. I was like, Oh wow. They're killing her off already. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of wondered if she had to die there. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. I, I honestly don't think that she would have allowed Woody Harrelson's character to take the no. turn. Yeah. It kind of severed that connection to good that he may have had she's Mm -hmm. she's pinned down on a bridge and she could i mean if she was gonna die i mean i guess she had to blow the bridge to finish the heist and to make sure that because because the way it works the the train the train was like locked onto these rails and the only way for them to get that car off the rails was for them to break the rail so that the train so that the car could slide off of the rail basically Mm -hmm. So the the bridge had to be blown, otherwise everybody was going to die. Yeah, so that's I guess that's why she sacrificed herself because you know she was pinned down, she couldn't get off the bridge, so she had to do it to save to save. Uh, I keep on saying Woody Harrelson, but Beckett. <laughs> Beckett. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I guess it kind of makes sense. I'm I'm so used to movies where characters are like you know like Captain America for example, where there's like a a real out and people don't take it because of the the drama of the situation, not realizing that your movies are supposed to be mimicking life in some ways. But and mm-hmm. you would probably find a way out in most cases. But I think she was kind of stuck. So I guess that's not too bad. So they do their heist. They use this stolen ship to do it, and then they, um, of course, you know, they it, it goes bad. And holy crap, did it blow the crap out of that mountain. Yeah, it did. It was a cool explosion. It was a so, cool visual. So, yeah, so what they're stealing is they're stealing the the, the really expensive fuel. Yeah. Hyperfuel, but it has it's, like calaxite or something like that. I forget the term they, it was called. It's, it's really explosive, um, just like rocket fuel is, you know. Um, but it like totally takes out the side of that mountain. Just. Yeah, and it's, it's refined. Mm-hmm. So a small amount of that can power a fleet, you know, and, and we find out eventually why the Marauders are going after it too. Um, yeah, the Marauders, of course. And that one, but it's, it's important to note that it is the refined version of it that, because that one was a surprise for me. Mm-hmm. The Marauders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, so and the Marauders uh, showed up and of course is one of the reasons why the, the thing goes bad. They, they had a really cool appearance in that. I don't know. I just, I liked everything about them. The, their mm-hmm. speeders, I liked the way they would hop up on their speeders and jump onto the train. I liked that they were using the uh, the harpoons. It was cool. Um, of course, this leads to them having to get the unrefined version because the uh, the crime boss Vision, of course, has basically says yes. we're, Paul, yeah, Bettany. Paul Bettany's character basically says that if you don't get it, we're going to kill you. So they're like, well, we can get the unrefined version that is under the spice mines of Kessel. And we have heard about the Spice Mines of Kessel from, I think, Star Wars movies, but definitely the Star Wars books. Right. Yeah. And that, I, I think, there might have been a little lull. And they're one of the very few well, and, lulls in that movie. And they go after and the unrefined they... version because the refined version is so well guarded. Pretty much only the Imperials have it, and they lost their one shot at the refined version. So they're going after the unrefined, which is high, highly volatile. Mm-hmm. And the moment Kessel was mentioned... I, I did the people's mm-hmm. eyebrow. Nice. I said, oh, we're... Yes, I forgot about that. We're doing we... it! Yep. Yeah, Kessel is known a lot in Star Wars books because of the, the spice, which is kind of a drug. And you hear about spice in one of the scenes in one of the prequels where there's a spice... I think it's John Leguizamo, actually. Uh, he's plays a guy named uh, Elion Bagano, which of... Thank you. Oh, oh my. Good, good work on the naming there, George Lucas. But uh, second, John Leguizamo. I, I think I think it actually is him. But he's a spice dealer in I, I think it's Attack of the Clones, maybe. But you know, they, there's been a lot of things where people get sent to the spice mines by by gangsters and stuff like that, and we've never seen them. So it was really cool to see that we we do actually get a chance to see one of the the Wookiee slaves that you hear a lot about. You know, this actually reminded me that Chewbacca. Who we haven't, I don't think, talked about yet, even though he had, he was awesome in this movie. Um, Chewbacca was, I forgot that he was in the prequels, hanging out with Yoda. Yeah. Huh? Which is, I, I forgot. I, I blocked those. Yeah, because like, one of the things I was wondering in this movie is, is Han going to run into the Force in any way, which would ruin some of his things about like, oh, I don't believe in the Force, the Force isn't real, all that stuff, I just need to blast her by my side. Like he, he, for the most part, didn't believe it in the other movies. 
But then again, we have Chewbacca, who's been his buddy and who Han can speak to, who hung out with Yoda and knows it's real. So I think it's kind of a right an interesting thing. But um, you know, we get to see that. We also get to see the um, was it L three three seven or L three three? Either way, it's supposed to be Leet. <laughs> Because it, which is like a little uh, yeah. play on on gamer tags and the one people do like mm-hmm. letters for numbers. No, yeah, I, I, they said that it's I, something I found. So it's, well, it's L three three seven or yeah, one so between like elite. Yeah, is elite. the um mm-hmm. the robot that is uh, protesting for robot rights, basically. <laughs> I love well, that robot. By the way, that was fantastic. Oh, uh, she was great, and you know the um. The, the droid having the existential crisis. I guess, who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I was born to lead the rebellion. And that scene was mm-hmm. so damn funny. When, 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 when the robots all started freeing each other. <laughs> yeah, they're all popping off Jump, the jumping up and down on the bolt controls. Mm-hmm. And the one's like stamping on the controls. It's like a cat mm-hmm. running across a piano. And then, and then there was the one, the one that really made me laugh was the one that had like the little, the little, uh, plank or block of metal or whatever it was and was just lifting it up and slamming it down on the counter. Smacking the control <laughs> panel. And I love that. And one. sadly, we, we lose that robot in a, you know, it's, it gets shot pretty bad. And Land, Lee mm-hmm. is Lando's robot who I am pretty sure they hinted yeah. that he was having sex with that robot. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, there's a, uh, I don't know. Converse, uh, there's a, there's a conversation between Kira and L337 where L337 is saying, and sometimes I picture myself with Lando and blah, blah, blah. And Kira says, how does that work? And L337 says, mm-hmm. oh, it works. And there was an interview where, like, oh, where I think Donald Glover said, that uh, Lando is pansexual and with a being as awesome as he is, of course he's pansexual. So meaning, you know, and I didn't read the interview cause I was, I somehow managed to avoid all spoilers about this movie. Like all of them, except, except for one, there's only one too. spoiler that I saw and it wasn't a big one. It was, I saw the designs for those fighting robots, like in the cage because they have the actual models at Hollywood studios right now. And I walked in the room and I'm like, ah, crap. Cause I didn't know. I mean, thankfully it wasn't a major plot point. So, mm-hmm. so you, you saw so, the Rock'em Sock'em. Yeah. Robot, like the, the gonk droid, the one that looks like yeah. a garbage can with like the saw blade on the top. And then the other one, I have very cool yeah. pictures of them. I'll try to get them on, on and, Facebook, but yeah, you should. And, and we haven't talked about Lando and we skipped ahead a little bit, but Lando was introduced mm-hmm. to us through a card Sabak, game, which is another thing Sabak. we haven't seen before. And that's the back. Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot one thing. Yeah. I forgot uh, we did jump ahead, but let me, I was actually going somewhere with, with L337. No, that's but, my fault. Um, so L337 gets, um, when he, when she dies, gets uploaded into the Falcon. And that is actually another callback to the movies, the, or I call forward, I guess. Because if you remember when C3PO is working with the Falcon, he says, sir, I don't know where your ship learned to com- mm-hmm. communicate, but has the most peculiar dialect. So the, the ship actually is mm-hmm. able to, is talking to him. So, mm-hmm there is a little part of her personality still in the ship. And it's, they were kind of hinting at that's why the ship is a little finicky at times and they have to kind of like hit it to get it to work and stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is actually neat. I, I, I love the little nuances that they worked into the script. And they were, they were like they were subtle to where it, they didn't like turn and wink at the camera like, ah, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you had to catch him on your own, like the like the Kessel Run thing as well. Yeah. yeah it wasn't like Boba um, Fett showed up and was like, you know, doing Boba Fett things. Like they were just people were <laughs> mentioned if they doing yeah. Boba Fett things. I was trying to think of something that a Boba Fett could do, but Boba Fett really hasn't done much in the actual series, despite what everyone thinks. It's like not like he showed up and was like, "I certainly hope I don't fall into uh, the pit." Of, yeah, the Snorlax pit. Snorlax pit. We, I know it's the Sarlacc pit. Jimmy knows it's the Sarlacc pit. I. If you want to write angry emails, write them to Rob. I think there's a good opportunity for some photoshopping. Finally, Snorlax pit. So anyway, um, so you were going to um, take us back a little bit to Lando. Yeah, they need to ship, and they need to ship to gather this unrefined fuel. The fuel is going to deteriorate. It's got to be fast, so, you know, who's got a ship that's that fast? And it's Lando. And we're introduced to Lando on what – where where were they? I'm not sure uh, what planet that was. Places. I don't. They didn't say any of the planet names other than Corellia, I don't think. But apparently no, Han, not – well, they did say Tatooine. They weren't on Tatooine. It wasn't on Tatooine, right? right. Um, but you know, Lando is a gambler and a scoundrel and a possible—I don't even need to say like interspecies. Uh, pansexual is the but, word we're looking for. Okay, uh, he's playing a game of sabak, and I guess Han knows that really well. Yeah, he kind of plays dumb at first, it seems, but he does. But he puts his fake ship up against Lando to win his ship and in kind of an unexpected turn he loses the, the ship that han yeah the ship that han uh is talking about and puts up as his fake ship is actually um the same style of ship as the ghost from star wars rebels and from the star wars galaxy of heroes game rob i looked oh, up, okay i looked up i forget the name of the freighter uh, but that's the one fair enough and and so yeah so so han surprisingly loses the the card game and then we get we get a brief little scene of us learning that han is a bit of a card counter no but but we get a little clip yep. that lando's a cheater. like he yes. already, that card was already played how is it possible that he's doing it but yeah but that that's kind of swept on the rug a little bit when they have their meeting in the the bar or whatever that oh lando owes kira a favor so yeah, you can take my ship. That was pretty quick. Yeah, so so that cool. scene, that whole card scene was kind of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it, yeah. it led to some stuff later. It, it yeah, it established Plus, the have one that was after that. Right, well, no, no, I mean, I, right, right. I mean, the the scene made sense as far as the movie was concerned, but ultimately, as far as the plot was concerned, it was completely Correct. unnecessary. Correct. But as we've, I mean, this is just a fun movie, so I don't need I don't need everything to yeah. to go forward. Um, yeah. I, I found those little things, those little nuances or, or things I could pick apart that happened. I, I could get past those very quickly because the movie mm-hmm. moved along so fast. It, I, I could not believe it was yeah. two hours and 15 right. minutes. Well, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, I didn't even think that when I saw the scene. It wasn't until afterwards that I was like, man, why did she even have him sit down to play? She could have just said, no, we got this. He owes us a favor. Let's get this over with. But she had him sit down to play, and but I didn't even think about it until until after it. You know, I I didn't. It wasn't something that I even that even came mm-hmm. up during the movie. And she's kind of watching from afar. But yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So let's. Uh, so they they get their ship. They go and get. They go do their heist. Um, you know, 
uh, we we also jumped ahead. Man, the, the, because this movie moves so fast, I think we jumped past the uh, the meeting of Han and Chewbacca for the first time, too. Yeah. It, we we, we've been we've actually yeah, been all fun. over the map. So if you if you're listening to this and haven't seen the movie, don't worry. It's it, you're going to be like, what? This happened yeah, it, at the oh, point okay. where Han is fighting for the Empire. He basically realizes that some of the people aren't who they say they are. The Beckett and their his crew. And he's like, look, you have to let me in, or else I'm going to tell everyone who you are. And Beckett's like, oh, really? And he's like, we have a deserter here, and basically gets Han captured as a deserter and thrown into this underground pit, which I thought we were going to have a rancor. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. Talk about the beast. There's he says the beast hasn't eaten for three days. There's like a chain that's very slowly moving. And basically Han's on one side of the chain and there's like a bracket in the ground and something is on the other side. And it turns out it's Chewbacca, which, yeah, we see, I think we see Mm -hmm. his form before we hear Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh was yeah, like, I forgot about oh, that." Oh, okay. So this happens relatively early in the movie, and they basically Chewbacca beats the crap out of out of uh, Han Solo until it is revealed that just like Thor is able to speak Groot, Han is able to speak Chewbacca, basically or Wookie a little bit. And they're like, "He's like, let's mm-hmm. you know." He basically points out that the post that they're attached to, or that the post that is holding up the the grate at the top, has a crack in it, and he's like, "Why don't you just pretend you're killing me, and we'll break this thing." Um, so one, I, d- does that mean that Chewbacca ate that other, that one stormtrooper or whatever that person was down there, the body that was already down there? That's yeah. kind of what they hinted at. So, or did someone, you know, or did someone else eat it and whatever? But yeah, it's entirely possible that Chewbacca ate a person, but. He was totally going to eat that porn. Oh. <laughs> Which, if you guys do follow our, our Instagram, <laughs> I went to the to Galactic Nights, and one of the special meals that they had, they were all supposed to be inspired by Star Wars things. And one of them is a, was a chicken and biscuit situation, like a, a fried chicken leg with like a honey thing. And it was supposed to represent the complicated relationship between Chewbacca and the Porgs. And they had the, the picture of this little <laughs> sad-looking Porg and Chewbacca and next to this picture of a chicken leg. And I was shocked, and I can... And continue to be shocked as I ate every delicious bite of it. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm sorry, Greg. It, uh, just real quick, I was wondering he, he how Chewbacca so... was going to get clean. Oh, that was so uncomfortable. He looked so muddy. <laughs> so muddy. <laughs> oh, it was so great. Oh. The Chewbacca Han shower he, scene he, was Yeah, he couldn't have waited until I was so done. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and that pretty much settled their relationship right there, I think. They were just like, okay, we're, we're buds now. Yeah. I I do wish that they would have made a bigger deal about the situation that ended up mm-hmm. with the life debt because there were a couple of spots where it, I guess it could have been yeah like you know what uh, I mean? like when he grabbed him on the train or, uh, they didn't yeah. I mean they showed Chewbacca save one Wookiee but I know in the books they talk about how the Wookiees were basically the slaves of the Empire and Chewbacca was saving a lot of them so mm-hmm. there there was more than one yeah there, there was uh, okay. a group of them that he went to go help. It was like four. So they, I know that Chewbacca, you know, I think one of the life debt things was the fact that Han helped him save his tribe or his people. Mm. Yeah, well, he yeah. didn't really do that in the movie though. He just, he just happened to get him there was, was pretty much what it was. Well, he gave him the spear thing. Well, but still, I mean, here you go mm. do that. I'm going to go do this heist. So, okay. So, so let's, uh, 
So yeah, we're like we, like I said, we where we are we? That's fine. It's yeah. it's that we're kind of movie. It's fun. Um, yeah, it re- it really is. Like, oh, there was this part. Was so there, part. there 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 was a couple was reveals. Let's let's talk about and I, across the whole movie. There was a few reveals and surprises. Okay, and of course, double crosses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the I, what is the the theoretical bad guy? The Mad Max people was there something nest? Yeah. Uh, Emphis, Emphis Nest. So it turns out that yeah, Emphis, Emphis Nest is not really a space pirates as they were sold as early on. They're actually a, kind of a rebellious band trying to fight against the these scoundrels coming in or these people coming in and enslaving people, basically. And and they really they really kind of played them up as like the the spark of the rebellion like the the first well one of them the first rebels basically is seen in rogue one there's the uh, one called two tubes so an alien with two very long tubes coming out of its face mask and it's the same character in both which i thought was interesting oh okay well can, uh, we haven't talked about twice. it yet but um, he's in there twice warwick davis yep. anyone i i saw him yep. live at uh at Galactic Nights, yep. he was there doing a, a. He did a thing, and he he showed both of his spots. So he's he is the um, Emphis Nest, the sniper. I'm sorry, no, he was a bad guy sniper when those sol- those soldiers and like the black and gold kind of uniforms of security people. He was that, and he was also um, mm-hmm. was he there was him just like as an alien too, right? Uh, he was he was with Emphis Nest uh, because he was the one who was loading the. Uh, yeah. The, yeah fuel onto her bike or whatever so he's been in it and um anthony daniels too so anthony daniels is actually the one that's been in every star wars movie because he was in this as well he he was uh early on in the movie you can see him very briefly in in the movie so that's the one person that's been in every movie warwick davis has been in what since he's been in every one since jedi yeah he was the was was he in the prequels in the prequels he was the um in the first one he was the little uh Greedo character, like Annie's friend, um, and I forget who was in other ones, but I can look it up if as you guys continue on. I think we should talk about some of the double crosses in this movie. Yeah, like I was saying, you know, it's a heist movie, so there's going to be a bunch of double crosses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, of course, Beckett double crosses Han, and Kira sort of double crosses, and basically ends at the end of the day, the the big crime boss is gets killed by Kira, and she kind of takes over his job. She grabs his ring. And yeah. you see her fly off, which actually there's another funny scene that we sort of briefly talked about where Lando basically leaves with the very destroyed Millennium Falcon, which, oh. which all of the nice, beautiful white panels have been ripped off. And the his escape pod that you see in the, the toy of it or the the front of it is gone. And Han's like, you know, when all these people are surrounding him, Han's like, look, we've got an entire army on this ship. You can't do anything about it. And then the ship just takes off and flies away. And he's like. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of backs up and he lets Beckett take it from there. It's like, yeah. you, you go ahead and do your thing. So Kira ends up in in charge of this, the Crimson Sun. Is that the name of the? Dawn. The Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Mm-hmm. And here, that was a big surprise. And I think, Rob, you need to uh, own up to our phone call earlier. Oh. Um, because I, th- I thought that there was a continuity error, or like a timeline error, simply because the... The person that she calls, who is in charge of Crimson Dawn, is none other than Darth Maul. What? What? That's crazy. So I was like, wait a minute. How is he? How is he? How? 
how old is Han Solo? Because I didn't think Han Solo was that much older than Luke. Why is why is Darth Maul still alive? Um, because that would mean that this movie had to have taken place before you know the the first prequel. And Han was already in his 20s when Anakin was eight. And I'm like, what is going on here? That doesn't make any sense. And So, so that's when my extended universe knowledge had to come in. And, correct. Uh, Darth Maul, even though the last time, if you've only seen the movies, the last time you ever, you saw him was in Phantom Menace where he got cut in half. Right. And, by Obi-Wan Kenobi. So right now he is actually not Darth Maul. He is just Maul because he is no longer a Sith. Because oh. he... You know, he basically issued it and was like, no. But what ends up happening, I believe in either Clone Wars or Rebels, Darth Maul has been found and they turned him half cybernetic. Basically, it, the cut cauterized him at the waist and they basically replaced his legs with, I don't know if they'll do it in the movies, but like a spider-like legs. So when you see him, that is actually him after. So he's alive in this movie, at least. How does and he, he is... <laughs> I don't know. That'll be in the um, the sequel to this if we get one. It'll be all about how Darth Maul poops. <laughs> okay, because everybody poops, even former Sith lords. But you do, I think, you do see that he's partially cybernetic in the in the little hologram that they do. Yeah, see, I I didn't see that and, in the hologram, which was part of the. I, I didn't I think. Confused. I didn't just think looked, he looked really big. Yeah. Really buff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that coming at all. One, I, like I said, I didn't I. run into any of the the um, spoilers, but like as the hood was coming down, my first thought was like, is is that Savage? Like the yellow Darth Maul from All Sorts of Things? And I was like, oh, that's well, that's actually like him. So I thought that was really, really cool. I, d- I didn't even realize it was Maul until the credits rolled and I saw that it was Maul and actually that it was still played by Ray Park. Yeah, it, it was really cool. And it, I know there's, and we haven't really talked much about this either. There's a lot to talk about, but this movie did not make as much money as they wanted to on opening weekend. Made about 101 million and they worked, and Rogue One made like 150. And they're kind of expecting that amount. Uh, a lot of people really like this movie. It had like a cinema score of A. So I'm thinking it might kind of catch up. And I hope it does because they hinted at a lot of very cool things that I'd like to see. Like mentions of yeah, tatu- they- Tatooine, the mall stuff, of course. They left a lot of threads open where they could they could run off with their own with their own stories and even branch out. I mean, with the whole Crimson Dawn thing, I mean, they could they could take that in a whole another direction that's not even related to the actual Star Wars movies. Um, it, I mean, other than in the fact that it actually happens in the Star Wars universe, but the there there were just so many open threads that if this movie doesn't do well enough to generate the the interest or the desire for them to make make more in this like time period, this timeline here, I'll I'll be pretty disappointed. Because mm-hmm. there's still that whole thing about like why does Jabba the Hutt want him so bad? And they do well, yeah, as he, he's referred to as uh, we got to do one more job for this big crime boss on Tatooine. Yep. So, um, I guess that about does it. Yeah, for that, was, Solo. that was the big reveal. Uh, you know, there's like I said, there's a lot of other little Star Wars nerd things. If you guys are big Star Wars fans, you'll you'll catch it. Like, you know, the people in my theater caught the Colo Clawfish reference when they were when he, uh, the crime boss offered up that the food and was like Colo Clawfish. That's the fish that chased them in in 
episode one. Little things like that. Oh, the appearance of the Lando disguise that from Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. was really cool. There's yeah. so many little yeah. art that were just like fun, but didn't didn't seem overdone. I thought it was really cool. So we really want to see a sequel to this. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I mm-hmm. I left this one wanting to see it again, which I actually did not quite get the feeling of Last Jedi. I felt like with Last Jedi, I needed to see it again to make sure that I my feelings were correct about it. But this one I want to see mm-hmm. again. This one I'd pay to see again. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is really weird. I mean, what what do you think? That's that's a. Do you think that they've just done a better job with them, or do you think it's just more interesting with the whole Empire thing um, and the the burgeoning rebellion? I don't know, man. Do, do I, you think it's a more compelling story than what we get currently now with like the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi? I. Was not looking forward to this movie, but Rogue One, you know, the first Star Wars story was so good. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think they could, you know, match that, and they did. And maybe I'm more interested now in the, you know, the spinoffs than I am the actual story. Well, I think there's one thing about the First Order that's weird. Like, one, there's a lot of, you know, weird kind of wrangling there between the First Order and the Empire and the Rebellion and the Resistance and all that stuff. But the First Order seems really well-funded and has a lot of assets for basically, what, like three dudes, it seems like. You know, Kylo Ren, that one, that one snively general, and Snoke. And it's like, how did they do all of this? And it seems weird because, I mean, they had an entire planet that was a weapon that all these soldiers and the planet goes down and they still have these giant dreadnoughts. Like where did that stuff come from? Yeah. Especially, especially since the rebellion has, or the, that the empire has essentially been crushed at the end of uh return of the Jedi. Yeah, like all of their assets are gone at that point. Like they had one super star destroyer in, this is the nerdiest conversation we've ever had. And that's saying quite a bit, by the way, yeah. they had one super star destroyer yeah. and when it went down, like if you, even if you read the books and if you see the movie like that, at the point that that thing, the one Star Destroyer crashes into the Death Star and whatever. Like, if you read the books, that moment is, like, considered one of those, like, sinking of the Arizona-type moments for in American history. Like, like you know, there's books where they talk about, like, remember the Super Star Destroyer. I think it's, like, the Executor or something. And it's just, it's, so it's really, I find it very interesting. And I, even though the whole suspension of disbelief thing, I have a very hard time with that. But when I see, like a range trooper show up with the, the guys that were running on top of the train. I was like, Oh, okay. There's another type of stormtrooper. It's really cool. And I, I don't know. I just, it's, there's something about the empire that's just, it fits. And, and I'm going to say something that's probably really weird, but what a surprise that never happens. Yeah. I, I know the, what, one of the things that, that kind of bugs me about the first order is that it doesn't seem like there's any experienced people in charge, if you will, like, like for, for lack of a, of a better descriptive term, they've taken out all the old white guys. Yeah. So, so it's not like so the, the boardroom with like Admiral Piet and Grand Moff Tarkin and all those guys, you know, getting right, strangled right. by Darth Vader. There's, there's, yeah. Right. There's, there's no, there's no basis for a foundation of leadership because they don't have any of these guys who are experienced generals who know what they're doing, who, who, who have, you know, years of 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 command under their belt they've got general hux who looks like he's what 25 yeah (laughs) so it it 
yeah, Twilight invades Star Wars, basically. <laughs> No, I think it's it's interesting. I think that you know there's various people talking about why the movie didn't do as well. And one, you've not you've heard nothing but bad things at first, not about the plot of the movie, but like the original director is left, and people didn't like the Last Jedi for whatever reason. Um, and you know there's just different stories coming out about it. So it, people had a, like Jimmy had a negative taste in his mouth just from the trailers. I didn't see anything bad about the trailers. I was actually I really liked it was that train turning. So the, as soon as I saw that and the, you know, the stormtroopers blasting back and forth, I was like, okay, cool. I want to see this. I mean, I was going to see it anyway, but still. Um, and I liked that the train guards had magnetic mm-hmm. boots. And I think that the, uh, yeah, there's also the point, there is the point that a lot of people didn't like The Last Jedi. It was the lowest, it's the lowest rated Star Wars movie by the fans, higher by the critics, oddly enough. Seriously? It's rated lower than like The Phantom I Menace? So. Well, that's what I saw. And also, it just came out five. Oh, it just came out five wow. months ago. That's that's not correct. That that is that is not correct. That's that's just people being silly. Because those prequels were terrible. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not I'm not by no means defending the last the last Jedi, but but it yeah it 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 was not as bad as the prequels. Oh, so it's it Star Wars has. The lowest Rotten Tomatoes audience score since Attack of the Clones. I have to close hmm. this okay, okay. before the audio kicks on. But um, so there's that, and like there's five. Uh, there's it came out five months ago, Last Jedi. So there's been a lot of Star Wars, and also we've been hit with two giant movies over the past what five weeks, I think. Like between Infinity War and mm-hmm. Deadpool, those are big movies. How often are people going to go to the theater? Yeah, so it's it's. Well, I mean, I'll go once a week. You will, but least. most people don't. Most people, it's a, it's a big thing. You know, it's it could be sixty dollars just to go to the theater. You know, family a, a family of three yeah. in a city, you're paying twenty dollars ticket. You know. Anyway, so now I enjoyed it. Jimmy enjoyed it, and uh, of course, uh, Rob. I assume you enjoyed it. So guys, go out and see it. Uh, it's definitely worth seeing it in the theater. I think. I guess that'll bring us to our question. Um, so for this week, we decided to do a two part, give me five. The first part being sidekicks that you would like to see a movie starring, basically starring in their own movie. And then on the flip side, sidekicks that you would not want to see starring in their own movie. So would somebody like to go first? Well, sticking with tradition, I go first a lot. So... Where should we start? Uh, not get a movie of their own or get a movie of their own? Let, let's do the one. Let's do the get a movie of their own because I kind of think that the not get a movie of their own might be a little bit more funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it will so this be. This is, personal. of course, based on Solo and some people saying, like, why did we need this movie? That kind of thing. Yet it was very fun. Uh, I was one of them. Yeah. Was. But you appreciate it now. Oh, yes. I sure do. So, with that being said, uh, here are my five sidekicks or characters uh, with lesser roles that should get a movie. Yeah, they're pretty much sidekicks here. So I'm going to go with Peter from X-Force. Okay. <laughs> That's my number five. I think it would be hilarious, especially if you read through his Twitter account. Oh, his Twitter account's really funny. Jimmy pointed that out to me the other day. It's awesome. I mean, what was his job other than being an X-Force? He's or his a hobby be- or beekeeper. Yeah, beekeeper. Nice. That's what it is. Nice. My number four is going to be Black Widow. Okay, I can see that. 
See, I was kind of torn on that one because, well, I, I went with her because she's in so many of the Marvel movies and brings so many of the characters together. Um, I think she, she deserves her own spinoff. Number three is Nightwing. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I, that's a, that is a good one. I would definitely want to see that. Yeah. I think they could do a lot with it, especially since we're approaching the land of the Batman movie that nobody wants. You know, it might be time for, for Nightwing to take over. Mm-hmm. Number two, Chewbacca. Okay. I, so go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm wondering how that would work. Well, it's going to sound weird, but I would, I think the people that did like Wally would have to do it because they were able to get a lot of stuff across without using actual understandable language. But it, it would be a challenge be for filmmakers. Um, but my, my reasoning for putting him so high is that when he meets Han, he's 190 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of story to tell. He looks great. He yeah. looks pretty good for 190 years old. And my number one, because I had to, because he's such an endearing character, I'm going with Korg. Ah! Okay. I know nice. it's a little bit out of left field, but those are my five sidekicks that I think should get a movie. Nice. So I, I've got some, although somehow I went way away from you, but okay. also a little one with you. All right. So first of all, I did have a character on there named the Bomar Monk, B apostrophe O-M-A-R Monk. That is the spider droid thing that you see in Jabba's palace. It actually has a very cool backstory, mm. but that one I think would have to be a short movie. So I kind of bumped it off the list and Black Widow is, it was like, it was odd, a spider robot and black someone named Black Widow, but they were both right there at number five. So I'll stick with Black Widow. It'd be cool to see a spy type movie, not like a superhero movie, more of a yeah. spy thriller kind of thing. Uh, Lando Calrissian as seen in the solo movie, I would like mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. I think it's been said. I think we even said it. it. Very nearly made my list. So I think that would be just a fun gambling and scoundreling across you know the galaxy. Pansexualing. Yes, and having sex with robots across the galaxy. Um, now, here's where I, I break off from you, but I think you might actually be interested in this. Okay. I would like to see a story of a young John Hammond. Oh, doing, wow. That's really good. Like going off and like almost like um, the character from Up, you know, going off and doing all sorts of adventures, getting to the point where he finds the Amber. And, you know, I think that'd be kind of a fun movie. Very good. I applaud your choice. Uh, I would also like to see what became of Natalie Portman's character in The Professional, which I should have probably figured out her name before I wrote that down. But, <laughs> you know, like she obviously uh, is going to end up damaged. Mat- Matilda? Matilda. Matilda. Yeah. So what, what became of Matilda? Like she's probably very damaged. She's probably continued Good down job. that path. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Good job. And one that is probably going to happen Possibly with the same actor, I really want to see a Kenobi movie. You know, some, what happened to Kenobi after the Order 66, but before Star Wars? Because you could still use Ewan McGregor. He's about the right age. I think I would like to see that. Solid. solid yeah, level. very solid. I actually overlapped one with each of you. Um, I I went with, with um, characters who I thought would actually make decent movies um but i had not thought of black widow and i think 
I think she would have been a great choice. And I might substitute her in for one of my other ones simply because his story has kind of already been done. So I'll put him at number five, and that's War Machine. Oh, I thought about it. And I it, it it's it's a toss up. Um because Just, because Iron Man has already been done. And mm-hmm. War Machine is kind of like Iron Man, but it's like a different mentality. So so I'm not sure. Well, there's a the period in the um Tony Stark timeline where he's a complete mess, right? And War Machine takes over for him. Now I've put Terrence Howard back in the suit and I'd be down for that. Okay. All right. Um, my number four, oddly enough, is a, is my agree my agreeing with Jimmy and I actually put Robin, but any, any variation of Robin. Awesome. I um, thought you said you put Rob in. Oh, <laughs> no. Robin or <laughs> Nightwing or whatever you want to call him. Dick Grayson. Yeah. I would not see the Rob movie. Yes, you would. You totally would. Oh, that's right. You don't need to see it. You get it live. Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, my, my number three is I'm probably going to go with Hit Girl, actually. Well, I awesome. thought he was going to say something else. I, I did too, but all right. I, I think that would, I think that would make, an interesting, an interesting movie. It's like, oh, I really don't need to see see the Hitler origin story. <laughs> no. no, no, no. Hit girl. Hit <laughs> Thank girl. you. Thank you. Yes, um, I think that she would make an interesting movie, um, and not necessarily an origin story, but a continuation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two is where I agree with Greg, and I'm going to take uh, Lando Calrissian. I too would also there. There's a lot of stories there with Lando. And I don't really think we've been we've seen or been told any of them. And I think we could probably get some decent some decent stories out of it. Yeah, agreed. There, he disappears a lot. He goes yeah. out and he disappears, and then he comes back, and he's had this great adventure. So definitely some story to be told there. You know, yeah. I actually think we need to get our own line of Give Me Five podcast capes. Oh heck yeah! What? I forgot to, to mention it when we were talking about the actual movie, but he when Lando had that giant closet of capes, I was like, you know, give me five podcast capes would be a thing. That would be awesome. Check out Threadless. Yeah. But but my number one choice, it's in a genre that's near and dear to my heart. My number one choice for a movie, because I think it would be completely awesome, is Gandalf. Like like Aww. young Gandalf. That would like, be sweet. Yeah. That'd be very cool. I would because he was a badass even like remarkably old. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see I would love to see the stories of like him coming into his power or, you know, getting in or, you know, even at the peak of his power, because I think even as as old he's or, you know, he's still very strong. But, uh, you know, I picture Gandalf as having weakened a little bit over time. But, you know, the wizards are weird in that sometimes the older they get, the more powerful they are. Now, do we know if Gandalf had any backstories written by Tolkien? I, I do I not don't believe know. So. I do not know. But if anyone out there knows that, please write in. I would like def- I yeah. would like to know that. Yes, those would be awesome stories. I'm looking at you, Omar, the our resident Tolkien uh, historian. Omar the monk. Yeah, but but Omar the monk. Yes. Ah. So that's that's my five. Okay. Cool. Well, I think it's. Should we do the ones we don't want to see? Yes. Yeah. If you okay. want to circle my, back around? I'll yeah. I'll go. 
And I think some of us are, are I mean, we're all serious in what we don't <laughs> want to see, but some of us, we just we're also <laughs> added some funny ones. So bring it on. Um, all right. I, I don't know. I think we might have a unanimous number one, just thinking in my head. We'll see. But number five, it's going to be funny to read these out loud. Number five is Barney Rubble. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody wants that. No. Number four hey, like is... Like a dark and gritty origin story of Barney Rubble. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is Boo Boo. Nice. Ooh. Nice. Boo Boo. Oh, oh, oh. From yeah. Yogi yeah, Bear. Yogi Bear. Yeah. Hey, Boo Boo. Number three hey, is Luigi. Luigi. <laughs> right on. Number okay. Cares. Number two, Uncle Marvel. Who's that? Uncle Marvel was a character... Um, in the Marvel comic books that he was just kind of like a, a stupid Mr. Magoo kind of character walking around with a magnifying glass. Wow. I don't remember him at all. Neither do it's I. It's old. Huh. You've just guaranteed that's coming back. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and number one? Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I think I blocked him out. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't blame you. He didn't make my list. You, you wow. know, I, I don't even know if we discussed this on the show. They they showed up what happened to him, like in one of the Star Wars books. He uh, a canon book. He's now like a, a Sith Lord, right? No, he's a that was just a like fan service thing. Um, he is now like a street performer, like a just uh, you know does like street comedy and people like mock him and throw stuff at him and he does it for like spare change. And he goes home and cries. In his, his big, floppy, his weird rabbit ears, yeah. Wow, that's super dark. <laughs> it is, it is. And yet, not dark enough. No. Although in one of the video games, I think it was at Force Unleashed or something, his corpse was on the wall of someone's, like, trophy room. Like, hmm. Or no, he was, he was in Carbonite on the wall of someone's trophy room in one of the old mm. Star Wars video games. Nice. But, okay, so uh, my turn. So, and I'm, I'm going semi-serious, semi-not. Um, I do not need to see them. This is not necessarily just a solo movie, but an origin story. I don't need to see a Wolverine origin story. That character is better off un, you know. Too late! Uh, well, they haven't done it, really. Like, they they did a comic, right? Like an origin comic? No, they did Wolverine Origins. The movie, Wolverine oh, Origins. Yeah. yeah, but like, I don't know if I remember that all that much. But okay, well, I don't need to see, like, a new version of that. Okay. That was the terrible one with Deadpool where yeah, yeah, yeah. played by Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool, not Deadpool. Yeah. yeah. And along the same lines, I, I'm going to go with Star Wars again. Um, I, I don't need to see a Lobot movie. <laughs> <laughs> Lobot being the, the bald guy with the weird headpiece that hangs out with Lando. So don't need to see him in a standalone movie. Um, I also right. really don't need to see any movie uh, involving the pooping cowboy from Austin Powers. The, the, you tell that turd who's boss? Don't, I don't need no, Tom Arnold. Yeah, Tom Arnold's character. Um, don't need to see where he heads off to after after that particular scene or before. And uh, let's see. Also, kind of along the same lines, the um, the baby from The Untouchables, which I'm not sure if you guys saw The Untouchables, but the one that's in the stroller rolling down the stairs. Yeah. Don't really care where, 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 where. The Untouchables. What? What? What do you mean you don't know if I've seen The Untouchables? How could I have I not seen that movie? I don't know. The baby from, yeah, I don't need to know what happens to the baby afterwards or before. Like an origin story of that baby, probably not necessary. Um, I, I think we all know the origin story of that baby. Yeah, I, well, and maybe we do need to see that. <laughs> hmm. 
and something that has that was announced fairly recently. I, I don't think I need to see any origin stories as my number one of Boba Fett. Um, if you want to continue the story after he climbs his way out of the Sarlacc pit, or sorry, the Snorlax pit, Snorlax. I'd see, I'd see that maybe interacting with other bounty hunters, but no more origin stuff with clones and things like that. So, you know, maybe a solo movie later of his li- in his life, but not earlier, because I, I think that ruins some of the mystique of the character. So that's what I got. Solid, solid. Excellent. Um, I I actually think I'm going to steal one from Jimmy. Um, he's going to bump one of the one of the guys off my list because um, I had Drax on my list because I've mentioned him in the past that I didn't really need to see a solo movie with Drax. I don't think it would be good. I don't think it would be funny. I think it would just be boring. But well, I can take Drax, and since we've already seen a Wolverine origin story, which I wish I hadn't, I'll just remove him, <laughs> Wolverine and do Drax instead. That works. Okay. Okay. But I'm I'm gonna steal Jar Jar because. Nobody wants to see that movie. Nobody. Yeah. No. Um, my next one actually was on Jimmy's list of he wants to see. Um, and while I think it would make I it would make for uh, a couple of really neat stories, I do not believe I could sit there and listen to an entire movie of Wookiee speak. So, <laughs> All right. so I think Chewbacca is going to be I on understand. that list just because I don't know that I want to sit through an entire movie of Wookiee talk. Oh my god! I got you. What do we do? I didn't realize that Rob was a Wookiee racist. Oh my I god! Know. So terrible. We're gonna have to do something about that, Jimmy. Podcast my, meeting tomorrow. My okay. my next one is is I don't know that that the world should see a standalone movie of Sloth from the Goonies. That would that would just end up badly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would just end badly. That would not go well. And and it's kind of already been done if you consider it. The Toxic Avenger. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, by the way, Wookie Wookie speak, you insensitive uh, d hole, is uh, <laughs> called a uh, Shrewook. The language. <laughs> Wookie speak. Whatever. I don't. I don't I'm need it for an entire. Wookie. I don't need it for an entire movie. And Wookies are generally under able to understand galactic basic language, but they can't speak it due to the uh, structure of the vocal cords. Right. So they try. Okay. In fact, in the books, there is one who can do it, but that's because he's got a speech impediment. <laughs> nice. I think it was heir to the empire. Possibly. But um, my my number two, he was great in the movie, but he is totally a supporting character, and I don't know that I could handle all the bro love. Um, my number two is going to be Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, that. I, I do not need a standalone movie with Samwise. Please no. <laughs> don't do it just looking longingly into the camera for 30 <laughs> minutes at a time <laughs> yeah eating lamba spread yes. can we have after breakfast now just <laughs> staring I may not be able to carry it for you but I can carry you mm. maybe a cooking show I'd watch What's that a cooking show with Samwise Gamgee It'd just be Potatoes. <laughs> uh, now, Bob Newby, I might watch that show. Hell yeah. Bob deserved better. He did. <laughs> but my number one character that I do not need to see a movie for is going to be Wilson from Castaway. Yes. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, I'm gonna go. Great with, pick. I'm gonna go with Wilson from Castaway. Wilson. I'm so glad you picked that because it reminded me. Someone gave me a task. A friend, a friend of mine gave me a task. He he got one of those the cokes with the the sticker that comes off. And he said the next time I'm at a sporting goods store, I need and it, it said Wilson. So the next time I'm at a sporting goods store, I need to stick it on one of the volleyballs. Nice. I, I have it like stuck to my alarm clock, so I remember to grab it someday if I'm like if I'm heading out there. So, and you just reminded me that I have to do that. So, thank you. And and. And I dare say that I may have come up with two very solid picks for number one in both categories. I would definitely not want to see the Wilson story. Yes. So, I, th- I think we're good. I think we're good. I think yeah. uh, Hollywood, we're right here. <laughs> I'm looking for a, a how it's made of um, of volleyballs, but I, I can't find one. <laughs> that would be Wilson's origin story. Um, I wanted to clarify a little bit. Uncle Marvel was a fraud uh, by the name of Dudley H. Dudley, who tried to sneak his way into the the Marvel family, um, uh, just like a rotund old man. I, oh, I, yeah, that might be actually kind of funny. Yeah, there's some that I had ideas for, and as I was thinking about it more, I'm like, oh, you know what? That would be good. You know, like, like maybe an origin story of Ursula would be good, or an origin story for Pike. Yeah, you know, from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Captain Pike. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Captain Pike. I I thought of that after it already, you know, came up my list. So there are a lot more out there, obviously. So an origin story us, of Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, let us know what what you guys would like to see. You know, what sidekicks would you like to be? You know, featured in their own film, or what sidekicks you wouldn't like to see featured? Yeah, and I I totally almost said Harley Quinn. I know she's got a movie coming out, but I almost said Harley Quinn, except for the fact that since she's being played by Margot Robbie, I'm going to go watch it anyway. <laughs> and uh, I guess that ends our show about Solo and Cargo. Boom. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Greg. I'm Rob. I'm Jimmy. I'm sorry if you guys can hear a dog barking in the background. That's fine. Beep. With your dog being... Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just as we started recording. All right, so that... I guess that'll bring us to... What was that, Rob? I don't think I caught all of it. Absolutely nothing. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Every time you write something down, it sounds like Oblivion, Elder Scrolls, like you're learning a spell or something. I know we're recording, but it makes me giggle. I've actually gone through it and higher steno pad with this nice like like four pages left so that's gonna be really boring after the episode conversation